Island Minds, the mental health podcast. Please note, these episodes deal with topics that some listeners may find distressing. For suggested contacts, please see the show notes on our Facebook page after this episode. Hi Soph. Hi, yeah. I have to say, this is very exciting. You are our first in-studio interviewee. Amazing. Up until now, it's all been done on Zoom. You are sat here in my kitchen with me, at my kitchen table. Very exciting. It is very exciting. Is. How are you feeling? Yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah, really good. Not nervous? No. No. I'm just talking to you, really. That's very true. We so, talk a lot. Yeah. We do. Sophie has agreed to come on the podcast and talk about her experiences. So, Soph, I'm just going to ask if you mm. could give our listeners a little bit of context as to what you've been through and why we're having this discussion. Yeah. Um, so, th- this is about miscarriages, um, which I have written here, like just my notes in that. Um, because if I had a cold or I'd had a car accident or something, or I'd get a get well card or I'd get some flowers, but with mental health, you don't get that at all. Um, and I feel like it's exactly the same with miscarriages. No one really knows how like, to speak to you or how to make it better. People that love you want to, but they don't really know how to. So it, that's how I feel it ties in with the mental health because it's sort of exactly the same and you don't get flowers, you don't get a get well card. It's such a sort of taboo subject that it's the same as mental health. If you said to someone you were suffering with something, they wouldn't know what to say or do. And I feel like that's... At the time when you're going through a miscarriage, people aren't really sure what to say, mm. to, to say or do. So, obviously, you've been through a number of miscarriages, and I know you've had an eptopic pregnancy as well. Has there been any professional or personal help when it comes to your mental health? No, or even my physical health. Mm -hmm. So with this pregnancy, I found out a couple of days after Christmas, back in 2019. And I was excited and I'd left, I'd wrapped the stick up in like a present and pretended we'd missed it under the tree. And I just knew something was wrong with the pregnancy. No one really believed me. And I must have rang the early pregnancy unit couple of times a week and they were like oh it's growing pains it's implantation bleeding you're bound to be anxious because of the previous miscarriages but it's you're fine and then so because I was so like anxious and stuff I tried I went to pregnancy yoga one evening and um woke up the following morning and said to my husband that I can't we're not pregnant anymore um and he said no you're just relaxed because of yoga and I went to work, and there was a bit more blood when I had a wee at work, so I just drove straight to the early pregnancy unit. And I think they thought, they were a bit off with me, actually, because I think they thought I just wanted a scan, because mm-hmm. we were nine weeks. So I think they thought I wanted to try and sneak in an early scan. I said to them, no, something is wrong. And they did a blood test and a urine test and could see I was pregnant, because there was quite a lot of blood in the pot of pee. So they um, did do a scan, an external one and an internal one, and it was a topic. But... um. So that was quite hard um, because I knew something was wrong, but no professionals believed me. And it's not, I didn't care so much that Finn didn't believe me because I understand that he knew I was going to be anxious. Yeah. 
but it was the fact that I kept ringing the early pregnancy unit and midwives and was just, I felt like I was just being fobbed off. Mm. But I appreciate, I would have been anxious because I've had other miscarriages, but I just knew there was something wrong. Um, I, I don't know how I knew, I just did. Yeah. And I told, and that time I told everybody I was pregnant. As, but as soon as I started bleeding, I went straight to the early pregnancy unit and that's when they told me it was... Well, it's actually unknown location because they did the scan and they couldn't find a baby anywhere. Um, and I did, hadn't passed enough blood to have passed the baby, but the bloods in the urine said I mm. was pregnant, which is why they put it. They put unknown location down as a, a topic. Um, and that was it. They just gave me some tablets and I went home. And that was no one... There was no sort of support or... Was there no, like, follow-up? Was there any you know, check-ins, or were no. you signposted to a perinatal... No, I'd seen a poster on the wall in the waiting room, which I take, took a photo of on my phone of Petals, which was like a charity, mm. um, and another one called Tommy's I'd seen about on Instagram, and I'd sort of Googled bo- and I'd phoned both of these, but there was no, no, no real answers. And then I'd seen on Tommy's you have to get referred to by your GP. I called four times, different, like four different occasions spoke to four different sort of gps and none of them had any idea how to refer me to tommy's so i got no i didn't even get support mental health or with the loss of the baby so you've pretty much been on on your own with yeah. your husband of course yeah yeah we've, no. we have been it feels, sometimes it feels like it's us against sort of the world um and i yeah i knew something was wrong and i kept telling people but sort of no one would listen um and I think that was probably the easiest because I just knew, miscarriage because I just knew there was something wrong. Yeah. But I, it did make me the angriest because all these things you read about how bad a topics could have been. Like if I hadn't gone to the early pregnancy that day, could it have got worse? That like you hear about people having to have their fallopian tubes removed and stuff. And I just feel I don't know why no one was listening. Mm-hmm. Do you think there needs to be better provision when it comes to? anxious mothers that have been through previous bad experiences in a way that you are supported listened to and actually that your both your physical and your mental health are being looked after yeah definitely so the nhs do so if you've had three consecutive miscarriages so if you haven't had a child a healthy child in between them so you've had three mm-hmm. consecutive they will do an early scan about six weeks um which is just called a reassurance scan and that will just make sure the baby's still got a heartbeat and the location is correct mm-hmm. so when so i will be offered that yeah but that i just think it's rubbish that you have to have three consecutive miscarriages before you get that you get that mm. what if you only have one miscarriage 12 weeks is a really long time to wait even if you've only had one even if you've had three i just don't think that yeah. i think why can't you just offer everyone a six week scan yeah. I appreciate miscarriage is so common and so likely that it's probably not feasible to offer everybody mm. a six-week scan. But t- I just think 12 weeks yeah. is a really long time to wait. Even if you don't haven't had a miscarriage and it's your first child, it's an anxious time. Yeah, and I think if you're already prone to anxiety yeah. and being fearful that they... There needs to be a reasonable adjustment there if you are... You know, your mental health is already at risk. Yeah. 
you know, that there should be I think 12 weeks. And so also, keeping it a secret, because some people do keep it a secret, and this is where I think it's really bad, actually, is that you're supposed to keep it a secret, so if something happens, just brush it under the carpet. Mm. But actually, if something happens, you want to talk to somebody yeah. about it. So yeah. the first time I was pregnant, we didn't tell anybody. I don't, I, think, I don't think anyone knew until after we'd been to the 12-week scan and we told no heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And then we, and I found that really hard, having to tell like my mum and Finn's mum that we were pregnant and we're now not. Yeah. And we're going to have to go into hospital and have medical miscarriage. Mm-hmm. That was really hard. So the second time, we told everybody. Yeah. And actually, what is hard is telling people that you're not regardless. Yeah. Regardless if you've just told them five minutes ago that you were. Yeah. It's just telling them that you're not anymore yeah that's generally just the hardest part so i just there's no rhyme or reason if you do or don't it's your preference yeah i can see i just think you need to break that taboo of don't tell anyone till 12 weeks in case something goes wrong but the people you're likely to tell before 12 weeks you're likely to tell if something went wrong yeah that's a really interesting point you've brought up because you know i you know, I'm not a mother, I haven't yet been through that process, but you do hear that 12 weeks is is when you should mm. wait, and maybe we need to break that as a norm. Yeah, definitely, because... Does that not put an additional pressure as well on yeah. you? Cause so you're, you're not well, or you're, trying, you're drinking decaf tea, or you're not having Pepsi Max because yeah. you're pregnant, or you're having to lie to friends while you're not having alcohol, Yeah, and you have to attend these events and be like, oh, I'm driving. Are you? didn't see the car all this yeah <laughs> because you can't just tell them but they would be probably the first people yeah you would tell if you would have a, if you were having a miscarriage because in the grand scheme of things is the world going to end if you tell someone before you're 12 weeks no down? no so we so your advice would be to people I, it's just, your op- yeah yeah because don't maybe not put it on i don't know put, don't put it on facebook but tell your, tell your p- yeah tell the people you would want the support from if you were then having a miscarriage yeah because then they know you're pregnant, and then they might actually be able to look out for you. Yeah. And, yeah. Okay. They might be able to, I don't know, just check in every yeah. now and then. Especially if you've been through miscarriage. I think talking to somebody who, like, you, it would just help. Yeah. Yeah. So if you had any advice for women that have either already been through a miscarriage or several miscarriages or a woman that is particularly anxious about becoming pregnant because of that what what would you say what would your advice be yeah I don't really know I would say if you've had one maybe two consecutive I would just really be quite forward of your GP to get them to do a blood test to get them like to see Mm. why and that's the problem is they still don't know why I keep miscarrying. I've had all these blood tests and I've had like high cozies and sperm analysis and things and that doesn't help. I don't know if the babies have all been too little to do that test. There's no... Mm. Sometimes I'm such a person that need an- I'm need answers to things Yeah. and there isn't any. And it's almost like no one even really cares either. It's like, well, this has happened. Mm. You'll get over it. Try again. And it's not really that easy. No. It took us a long. T- it took me a long time to want to try again, and I was very physically unwell for for a while after my first one. My body just wouldn't reject the baby, so yeah. I was in hospital from the Tuesday to the Saturday, um, 
and just on so many drugs, um, trying to, and my, I just wouldn't bleed. Every time I went for a wee, I had to keep it in the pot so they could, the nurse yeah. could check, and I just wouldn't, didn't pass it till the Saturday night when they sent me home, and I went to my own bed, mm. and as soon as I sort of dri- drifted off, I did then. Um, but then I'd caught, so I've had a bath, and you're not allowed to bath, so I caught an infection, and then I had antibiotic, and it was just, yeah, I felt like everyone treated the physical symptoms, but no one treated how I felt about yeah. it. Yeah. But I do just think, beg your GP for blood tests and answers, really. Mm. Um, and actually, I personally believe acupuncture massively helped me get pregnant. Um, so after having three sessions, so one a, one a week, but only three, mm. three consecutive sessions I had... I got pregnant within after three sessions yeah. after trying for seventeen months since the last miscarriage. So I found and that was privately acupuncture. I just yeah. I'd read something about it. So I definitely think that helped. Mm. It can't just be a coincidence after seventeen months of trying, nothing happening. Not even like miss not even falling pregnant. Because yeah. then that has its own anxieties. We've been pregnant, but we now haven't been pregnant for seventeen months. What what's wrong now? Yeah. So that's when we tried acupuncture, or not, and I was pregnant after the third, mm. third one. So what's your next step? What, what, where are you now in so, this journey? So we are waiting, because I don't ovulate, and my periods are quite irregular, and I have blood tests every 21 and 28 days, so our next step is I'm waiting for the nursing team to give me a call to I have these injections to make me ovulate. And I'll have three cycles of them and to see if I ha- if they have made me ovulate and if I've fallen pregnant. And then we're just going to have three cycles and then sort of go from there. Um, we've had informational sessions about private IVF. Um, we're waiting to hear back if we're eligible for Essex IVF. Um, I don't know what the criteria is, so we're waiting. Sort of, just we're sort of waiting. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's you spend all your time waiting for them to ring you yeah. back. But I did... So I've actually ever been to one scan throughout all my pregnancies I just found the sonographer who did the scan was just very matter of fact yeah um she just said the baby had no heartbeat and she wanted to go and get a second opinion so she left the room for a while um while they went and got another midwife they did an internal scan to confirm no heartbeat then they put us um in this little this is all pre-covid so they put us in this little room on the side um and they were like someone a nurse will be allowed to speak to you in a bit and I, I couldn't tell you how long that nurse took to come because it's literally the last thing yeah. in my mind. And she came in and I had... I just wasn't listening to anything she said because all I could think about was that my baby had no heartbeat and she was throwing all these options at us and we were like, can we just go home with a leaflet? Like, we just can't mm. take this in right now. It was, it, But it was just... I felt that was so cold. I don't ever remember anyone sort of just saying, are you all right? Yeah. Or how do you feel? Or it was all just medical. Mm. This is what you have to do now. You can have medical miscarriage. You can make your body your body to naturally pass it. These are your medical options. Yeah. But I felt there was no emotional support options. No, and no signposting you to no. people that could help you with that. No, I had to use my own initiative and take a picture of these charities yeah. off the board, off the fly, like the flyers, and try and ring them myself and. Constantly I have and I've left messages and emails and no one's rang me back. So I've sort of just given 
given up really and I'm just on forums on social media where I don't say anything but I just watch everyone bitch about things (laughs) (laughs) and it just cheers it just is nice but yeah yeah. but that's it there's not been any sort of support and I wouldn't yeah and that's where I wouldn't say it was like a it was a mental health issue but I've come on your podcast because I feel it's such a taboo subject Mm. which as is mental health like it's I feel like they're treated yeah the same but I think you've raised some really good points with you know in regards to mental health as in the lack of provision the very matter of fact way in which you've been treated and the fact at no point throughout this whole process you have been pointed in the direction of emotional support no I think that's very concerning um and I think it you know it is appropriate to this podcast because it is all about living with you know mental health in various capacities whether it be long-term mental health or mental health declines because of a situation you're going through yeah and a lack of support yeah and I just I really want to break the taboo of miscarriages I feel it is vital because if we're going to improve things for couples who lose a baby no matter how early the pregnancy is lost so I've I've gone to 12 weeks um nine weeks um just sort of five weeks I just don't feel however early the losses a loss is a loss Mm. and you sort of lose all your hopes and your dreams of the future with that baby and pregnancy after multiple losses is just so hard and starting treatment to help you get pregnant is scary and yeah it's just there's just no sort of support or Mm. yeah is there anything else you would like to say to any of the women out there that might be going through similar? Just persevere, really. There's no... That sounds rubbish, I know, <laughs> but there isn't really... I don't know what you can do to get support because I've not got it. Yeah. So it's not like I know what the answer is. Um, you've just sort of... Yeah. I don't really have an answer. And that's absolutely fine. And I do remember thinking that like bleeding out at home would be much easier. And then I had a second miscarriage, and that was obviously famous last words. It isn't any ble- easier to bleed out at home early on. From the day you read the pregnancy test is positive, you're buzzing. If it's something you want, it, you're so excited. You're a mum. Yeah. And you're so excited. And then when you bleed at home a week later... It breaks your heart because no and no one knew about that either or any of the professionals because it was literally a, probably a week after the positive. Mm. So you're just trying to get all my thoughts together. This is our second one. And it, yeah, I just bled at home a week later. Um, yeah. And so, that was so soon after finding out that I'd been pregnant. It's sort of just a roller coaster of emotions. Obviously, I hadn't got around to sort of telling anybody. Yeah, I would just persevere with the GP and trying to get answers. Um, so yeah, I'm very comfortable talking about it, and because it is such a taboo subject, and I feel that there should be more support there, and I really want to do something. I don't know what, but I really would like to do something to help women. Because if you already have an underlying mental health issue, and then you go through this, and there is no support. I don't know, that must be so hard. Mm. To go through this 
anyway is really hard without any underlining issues and I, I just I don't know where you get the support from but I just don't think that's okay and like I said before the 12 week scan I think that's a long time to wait for somebody who might have anxiety or I don't know and I don't know what with like post um depression and things it's just yeah I don't know yeah like being a mum without a baby is awful so I just want to say a massive massive thank you for coming on the podcast no thank you for having me I am super proud of you I could see how difficult that was at times there was there was some hyperventilating (laughs) there was a lot of drinking water (laughs) um so you're, I'm very proud of you and I think you should be very proud of yourself for talking. Thank you. And I think, you know, you said you want to do something. I would I would pursue that if yeah. you feel like you can make a difference. I mean, you just coming on this podcast and sharing your experience, you were going to make a difference to someone. Someone's going to so. be listening to this and think, oh my God, that, that, that you know, that's what I'm going through. Or someone might be listening and think, I can help her. I know, you know, there are things that we can do. So... I, yeah, I would pursue that, and again, I'm super proud of you. Thank you. Thanks for letting me be your first in-person... Interviewee! Interviewee! <laughs> Very so exciting. Yeah. So, just to give our listeners a little update, I am here with Sophie again, a few months Hi. after our first conversation, and Sophie has an update for everyone. So, Sophie, I'm going to pass over to you, and could you just let us know where you are in your journey? Yes. So, I am currently 17 weeks pregnant, um, which I did know when we last recorded that I was, but because of everything we'd been through, I was waiting till the 12 weeks to keep it secret. So, that was also the last podcast was quite tricky to talk about being pregnant and talking about all the miscarriages, but was keeping it sort of a secret. Yeah, we've had four scans and I'm 17 weeks pregnant. And then on Saturday, just gone, we had a gender reveal. Um, we had a private scan. So we didn't know the sex either. The guy did the scan and he knew what the sex was and he then handed us a cannon. So we went home with all our like family and things and pulled the cannon and blue confetti went all over our garden. <laughs> so <laughs> we're having a boy. Oh, I have to say, obviously, when we last spoke, I already thought you were incredibly strong being able to speak about your experiences. But then to later find out that you were pregnant at the time, but too yeah. terrified to tell anyone because just in case it went, you lost yeah, it again. And then yeah. talking about your losses while being scared about another loss. That's this current baby, yeah. That's that's so incredibly strong. And, you know, it's no wonder you were so nervous and emotional and, you know, all of those yeah. things when we we spoke last time. So it's just congratulations. Thank um, you very much. I'm sure all so of our listeners incredible. will be so happy for you. I'm so pleased. We've come Thanks. so far Thanks. from our last um conversation definitely (laughs) so very far and you haven't uh welled up once in this one no No. um you've just been smiling the whole time just smiling yeah it's all just a bit surreal to be honest yeah I just I had sort of secretly given up hope Mm. and we had IVF conversations and appointments with Cambridge IVF and so I don't know if it was that was it plan b I don't know if that was at the back of my mind or if it was 
acupuncture, but we weren't sold on IVF because all they would do is put the embryos in me, which is what we've done. We've been pregnant. Yeah. They can't then guarantee it progresses. And that's the bit we wanted the help with. The, the progression. Like, pro- the progression bit. <laughs> we could do, get pregnant, but... Yeah, and then actually really funny, like when we were walking back from the midwife's after the 16-week appointment where we'd had the heartbeat, Cambridge IVF rang to say, oh no, it wasn't Cambridge IVF, sorry, it was just the NHS rang to say, we've got some ovulation-enhancing drugs for you. We'd had that appointment before I was pregnant. I was like, ah, oh, 16 weeks later, thank you. I was like, I'm, I'm good, thanks, I'm pregnant. And they were like, okay. <laughs> oh my God. So, but yeah, I am generally a really, I cannot thank acupuncture enough. I wrote them a lovely review. I sent them flowers. We've been trying for four years and it's the only thing really that different. We've been yeah. in the same house. Like everything is the same <laughs> apart from, yeah, acupuncture. So, Well, I'm glad you found something that's worked for you. And that obviously thank you've, you. Yeah, you've I had hope s- everyone try and find what works for them. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope some of our listeners do take away from this with some hope you know and and maybe get some reassurance that they're not alone and that there are women you know the world over going through this yeah definitely you don't realize how common it is until you talk about miscarriage Mm. everybody knows at least one person yeah it's had one everybody but main uh, but no one really talks about it until they're going through it through it yeah so yeah it's strange and then you're like wow more people have had more and it's yeah it's really and if more people started actually talking about it more openly maybe women wouldn't feel so alone during that period or like they can't talk to people about it and the only other thing is you have to have three consecutive ones before the nhs or the hospital or anyone will look into why Mm -hmm. and i think one miscarriage is enough yeah let alone three consecutive miscarriages before the hospital the doctors or anyone will look into why this is happening yeah and I think three is a is it's too much it's a lot for a person to go through before getting any answers or help especially if so if you have a miscarriage and then a healthy lovely baby and then another miscarriage that's not consecutive you, you then have to have two more But you could have a miscarriage, then a lovely baby, then a miscarriage, then a lovely baby. And you'll never know why. So, Hmm. yeah, that's what I, if anything, that is what I'd like to change. One miscarriage you looked into. Yeah. And it might just be because your body doesn't know what it's doing and it's all new and your body's like, your body is just not knowing what to do with this. Yeah. Maybe. But But it would give women an answer for next time wouldn't it it would give them some reassurance one way or the other because if they're going to need help they'll get the help earlier hopefully and and if it was just a case of the body wasn't ready they know it's not not actually not actually their fault yeah because you will blame yourself and you'll be like oh did I have a brie sandwich did I eat that cranberry did I you will oh do I have too much coffee or too much tuna you will blame yourself even though it is not your fault you'll blame yourself and like I said we've been trying for four years and we only got the phone call last week that we were going to be given some injections to make me ovulate four years so that's a long time if we were seen after the first miscarriage back in 2018 we would have probably probably got help sooner Mm. 
Yeah. So that's what, yeah, that's all I really want to do. All I want to come out of this is women get help sooner. Yeah. Which I know the baby charity Tommy's is trying to do because they obviously agree and they don't think women should have to have free. So, yeah. So hopefully something happens soon. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, thank you, Sophie. No, thank you for seeing me again. Thank you very much for having me. You're very welcome. You're, and I'm I'm sure our listeners will be really happy to hear this. <laughs> Thanks, you. I hope so. And I know it's hard to hear when you're like trying to conceive, like, oh, baby announcements broke my heart, which is why I didn't really do any social media announcements. I just did like maybe like a little hint or a mama t-shirt and then like we put an Instagram picture up and people were like, why have you got a mama t-shirt on? Or yeah because I, kn- I know how hard it is to see yeah baby posts when you're trying so we have we haven't really put anything on yeah online really so yeah yeah but no thank you very much for seeing me again no thank you darling so yeah <laughs> if you have been affected by any of the topics covered in today's podcast please see our show notes on our Facebook page for our suggested contacts. If you're interested in talking on our podcast, please get in touch through the Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. Stay safe, you wonderful people.